BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. I want to get into Ron DeSantis, and and they just changed the way that they're calculating COVID deaths down in Florida. So the Miami Herald headline, Florida changed its COVID data, creating an artificial decline in recent deaths. It's getting weird in Florida. We'll get to that in just a moment. But right now on the line with us is Dr. Eric Feigelding. He is the uh, formerly a faculty member of research at the Harvard Medical School and Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, currently an adjunct senior fellow with the American Federation of Scientists. He is an epidemiologist and health economist. Uh, I follow him on Twitter, Dr. Eric Ding, E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G, D-R-E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G, uh, or F.A. Scientists and uh, FAS.org, the website. Dr. Feigelding, welcome back to the program. First of all, before we get any farther, I mentioned to you on the phone off the air that there is this National Institutes of Health, NIH.gov link. It's a place where they publish publications that seems to say ivermectin is wonderful stuff and it'll save the world from covid and and i've got people emailing this to me i'm getting it in twitter i'm I'm seeing it on facebook all over the place yeah i sent you the link what the what what the hell is going on here with this forgive my obscenity yeah that's a very good question so first of all the nih website years ago for open access purposes double archives uh, many journals and these journals are either famous journals or no-name obscure journals that normally you would never see in the medical literature and so what people are seeing is this duplicate archive of this other american journal therapeutics which i've never heard of publication and that's what they're seeing it's not like a nih study it's not nih endorsed it's just a duplicate archive for open free access purposes that the government instituted years ago. But also the problem with the meta-analysis is A, it doesn't include the largest, newest uh, randomized trial, that we call the Together Again trial, and it includes one of the fraudulent studies, the El-Ghazar study from Egypt, which found like basically 90% efficacy, which by the way, in the world of drugs, nothing is 90% efficacy. Only vaccines are, and the vaccine's not exactly like a traditional drug. So it includes that, basically. Some people are saying outright fraudulent study. You can go read about it um, if you read and search the Elgazar fraudulent study. And they included that study. So if you include that fraudulent study, of course, it swings it uh, down to the beneficial range. And they excluded the larger study, the Together Again study, which found absolutely no effect, which, again, one of the largest uh, trials ever. And just so you know, in, that, in the other studies, they also found like some benefits for some of the other drugs, but not ivermectin. So there's not some systematic reason <laughs> that, um, that these uh, results are finding a null result. It really is a null result for ivermectin. So this is, this is like a hustle. I mean, you know, they say right out, r- right at the beginning, we did a meta-analysis of other studies 
But then they don't go on to say, you know, one of those studies didn't show any result for ivermectin, and the other one that did, that we are now citing all the details of, has been withdrawn because it was full, because it was fully fraudulent, and the entire world has disavowed it. They failed to disclose any of that, and then they drew all these wonderful conclusions, and because this got cloned onto the NIH site, it's all over the internet. Yeah, to some degree, it got cloned on NIH, and, and people are misled because they don't understand how these uh, medical research database works. But, uh, you know, the, the meta-analysis reviews what was published at the time. So at the time, it included the Elgazar, which has since uh, mo most of the scientific community has completely disavowed it. I'm not sure if it's fully retracted yet, but it's been disavowed mm -hmm. and been debunked by many sources. Um, and the newer study, which happened after they published, wasn't included. Right. So, first of all, science updates, you know. Yeah. We, we know that there's asymptomatic transmission, you need masks, that the virus is airborne, all these things that, you know, there was controversy early on, but the science updates. And this is why you have to really follow the latest science and be very careful of some of these articles in uh, no-name journals. Like, anyone can theoretically find a reason to cherry-pick studies and publish in a no-name journal. Uh, honestly, there's been so much research fraud and research, you know, a controversy of selective uh, cherry-picking that this kind of stuff happens all the time. It's also with industry study. Industry, whenever they do meta-analysis of, say, sugar or red meat, they always toss out the studies that does not appeal to the industry base. This happens all the time, and this is why you have to look at reputable journals, and you actually have to look at the reputable experts on yeah. this, not just any random analysis on yeah. the internet that is cloned yeah. on the NIH yeah. website. To totally get it. So, um, I, I, what, I, what we originally asked you to come on to the program about is this new festival variant, they're calling it, from this 53,000 person event. And uh, now there's another variant, a new COVID variant that has been de detected in South Africa, apparently the most mutated so far. What is the state of things? Um, is there any risk, given that this is a SARS uh, virus, that it could at some point mutate to, to resemble the, the, the lethality, the, 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 the potential to kill of the original SARS virus that, as I recall, was around 50% fatal, or the MERS virus, the Middle Eastern uh, Respiratory Syndrome virus, um, that is also a, a SARS virus that that is, uh, as I recall, in the 20% range. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of my memory here. Right. Um, is right. that a concern that, that if we don't get the world vaccinated, that or, or at the very least the United States, we could be looking at something that becomes much more deadly? And, and what's the deal with the latest, these latest variations? Right, the, the new variants, uh, you know, these variants are still emerging. The festival variant, some people are saying, is a subtype of Delta. It's still Delta, but a subtype of Delta that they, uh, they're not necessarily worse than Delta. It's just that they could tell it came from the festival because it has that you know, unique subtype signature, right? Um, mm -hmm. That basically they know it came from the same place because of the similarity. That one's not as worrying. It is Delta. And it was, a, it was a super spreading event, but it's not as worrying as the South Africa's new C12 variant. That variant is the most mutated so far. Basically, of all the variants, this is the most genetically distant from Wuhan 1.0 strain. Uh, it has mutated the greatest distance and is mutated and arrived there by mutating at twice the rate of the average uh, variants that's out there. So it basically had a sudden jump in mutations, and we think it was because of some immunocompromised person that probably uh, led, gave the virus extra practice time to eventually evolve uh, to that state. But it means that basically there is this uh, acceleration of more and more variants that are jumping further and further away from the original strain. And all our vaccines, and if you were infected in early 2020, your immunity was adapted to the old Wuhan strain, which means likelihood of greater reinfection. There's also some signs that it could um, be uh, more infectious. 
there's lots of troubling mutations in, in that um, C12 variant, which doesn't even have a Greek name, but I expect it to have a WHO assigned Greek name very soon. But it just means that in, within a few years, um, it will evolve, the coronavirus will evolve to be so distant that our 1.0 Wuhan adapted spike protein vaccines may not work. And also that also implies your, your previous natural immunity as well. So we have to be very careful. But in terms of virulence, we don't know if it's going to be more virulent and severe per se. Delta, by the way, I want to point out, is already four to five times more severe than the original strain in terms of risk hospitalizations if you're vaccinated um, or even one-dose vaccinated. Right. So this is really, really uh, already worrying. And if it's five times more, um, in terms of, if it's more and more too severe, like, 20% or 50% mortality, it becomes um, almost too severe for it to keep spreading. As in, if it's... If it's killed, it becomes self-limiting then. If it's host too, too fast, it becomes... Uh, it, it, it self-dies out too quickly. Right. So a moderately severe but highly infectious virus, which is what Delta is, is actually the most dangerous. Uh-huh. So we're, we're at... Uh, and and we, we have, uh, I believe, just about a minute here before we're going to hit a hard break. Um, uh, how goes the work that you're seeing in the science uh, with regard to adapting the vaccines to these new viruses? And, you know, it, or and or is this just going to be the new normal, what we have right now? Well, first of all, the, the research says that a third shot is very effective, very effective versus the second shot, especially if it's been more than uh, six months. Um, they're also adapting vaccines. Um, Delta, those are underway. Um, and also, by the way, a new study showed that uh, Moderna, um, because of the timing and the dosage, could actually be a little bit stronger than Pfizer vaccine, apples to apples against Delta. Uh, there's been two studies that show that it is stronger than Pfizer vaccine uh, in a head-to-head matchup. So uh, w- w- there's lots of things that could be seen. Uh, boosting right now is still a really great solution. Eventually, we will need Delta or other future variant adaptive vaccines, but those are always slower than getting another booster. Um, Hopefully, we can get out of this and by ventilating masks in addition to vaccines. Don't just rely on vaccines alone. Do all three mitigations. There you go. Wear your mask. Wear your damn mask. (laughs) Dr. Eric Feigelding on Twitter, D-R-E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G. Dr. Feigelding, thanks again for dropping by. Great talking with you. Thanks, Yeah. You too. Thank you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with uh, What's Up in Florida. (laughs) What are we going to do with these people? Pat in Columbia, South Carolina. Hey, Pat, what's on your mind today? Yeah, um, Tom, I wanted to ask you about the Supreme Court. Sure. Because it seems like they're more about the politics than they're about the law. Because there's a lot of things that I've been watching that they um making decisions that don't seem to deal with the law. That's true, and that's been true for all, for most of the history of the Supreme Court. Um, and, you know, we have this fiction, this, this story that we tell ourselves and and that we teach our kids that the Supreme Court is above politics because they have lifetime appointments. Same thing about federal judges. Uh, but in fact, they're typically polit- they are always political appointees. And uh, they, the, the right in particular, and this really began in a big way with the Reagan administration, have been you know, being very strategic about finding you know, young, hardcore, right-wing radicals that they can put on the court uh, who will rule the way that they want. And um, it's, you know, the, the Supreme Court is now a fully, a full-blown political body. And and now they're doing these, these uh, shadow docket things where they're not even bothering to hold public hearings. They're not even bothering to ha- hear arguments. Uh, you know, they get a couple of briefs and they make a decision. And they in some cases, they don't even sign them. The most recent one, uh, the three liberals all protested, but the, fi- the six conservatives who who pushed it through, didn't even sign their, their opinion. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not a good thing or a healthy thing, Pat. 
And I, I am hopeful that when President Biden's commission that is examining the Supreme Court and our federal court system comes back in the next month or two or three, that uh, one of the recommendations is that we expand the size of the court and that we do it quickly because um, it has been taken over by right wing crackpots, frankly. But what about the two that um 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 that the one about molesting people, women, and then the other one with his wife was um, what they can't get them off the Supreme Court? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you got uh, Clarence Thomas, whose wife was one of the people who helped organize the uh, Stop the Steal rally before uh, before the uh, Capitol was attacked, apparently. And uh, he has a long history, along with uh, Anthony Scalia, of. Uh, naked conflicts of interest that would get any federal judge uh, thrown off the thrown off a federal judgeship, uh, you know, hanging out with the Koch brothers and their buddies and and you know all these kinds of things, and and of course uh, Thomas's wife uh, took hundreds of thousands of dollars from right wing uh, groups for her work. Um, that w would disqualify anybody. But what the Supreme Court said some many years ago was that they don't have to comply with the judicial code of ethics that we impose by law on federal courts, on the rest of the federal courts. So they can do things that are nakedly political. They don't have to um, recuse themselves. Uh, you've got Amy Coney Barrett, whose husband is uh, deeply in bed with uh, some of the fossil fuel companies, ruling on cases that involve those fossil fuel companies. Um, it's just, I mean, the, the, the list of conflicts of interest is so great and so egregious, frankly, Pat, um, that you could write a book about it. In fact, I did. <laughs> the hidden history of the Supreme Court, the betrayal of America. It is terrible. So uh, spot on. It, it, thank you for calling and identifying that. It is something that we really need to be paying attention to. Harmon here with you. Uh, so uh, COVID, so number one, if you have been bamboozled, uh, you know, sadly, on one of these Facebook sites or one of these other websites or whatever, by seeing, oh, hey, look at this study. This study says that uh, it's going to be amazing that, uh, you know, ivermectin will save the world. It'll save millions and millions of lives. Please know that that study from that no-name journal, actually there is a name to the journal, um, but that, the, that study is based on a study that has been debunked and is a lie. And when you pull, and it's, and it's not even a study, it's a study of a study, or a study of studies, what's called a meta-analysis, and which is like, you know, I'll read five books and then tell you what I think, sort of thing. And that if you reverse out of their data that Egyptian study, the, the one that started this whole ivermectin thing, saying, oh, this will solve the world's problems, and it turned out that the researchers had falsified their information. If you reverse that out of the one that's published over on the NIH site, what you find is that ivermectin is completely and totally useless. That all the other studies found it was useless, including the most recent one. And, you know, it's like, I don't know how to convince people that they should pay attention to actual scientists. Um, and, and they get just this little tiny fringe bit of, it looks official, it's on the NIH.gov website, and people are like, oh, I, I'll believe that instead of what, like, you know, the head of the National Institute of Infectious Diseases, Anthony Fauci, has to say. Or I'll believe that instead of what, you know, every hospital administrator and physician in the country is saying. I mean, it's just... It's just incredible. And now down in Florida, this from the, the, the Miami Herald this morning, the headline, Florida changes COVID-19 data creating an artificial decline in recent deaths. Yesterday or the day before, uh, the Florida uh, Department of Health had, had gone on a tweet storm criticizing the CDC. And then apparently uh, DeSantis you know, made some calls or pulled some strings or whatever. And so now instead of counting COVID deaths, 
at the time of death, they're waiting until they get the time of birth of death certificate, which is typically about a week later. So, so there's going to be the, this week-long pause of deaths in Florida because they've changed the way they're counting who died from COVID. It's a scam. It's just an absolute scam. Meanwhile, the Florida Department of Education announced that they are withholding money from two schools for allowing masks. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. To be completely accurate, I should say they are withholding money from two schools for mandating masks in Florida. How's this going to play out for you, DeSantis? Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is just incredible. Florida's Department of Education announced yesterday that they are withholding money from two school districts because the teachers and the administrators in those school districts said, we want to protect our students and ourselves. I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. These schools are being punished, are being punished because they're asking children to wear masks during a pandemic. And it's, it's not like Ron DeSantis doesn't know the kids are dying over this. I mean, we're averaging uh, in the neighborhood of a thousand deaths a day in the United States. Last week, there were over 150,000 new cases of COVID, the majority children. And DeSantis, you know, because it's, it's starting to spread, you know, as we're going back to school, it's just spreading all across the country. But here's the thing. I mean, if DeSantis backs down and says, you know, I, or Abbott or, or uh, you know, any of these other uh, Republican governors, uh, Christy Noem, uh, uh, what's his name down in Mississippi? Uh, if, if any of them back down and say, you know, I was wrong. You should wear masks. That is like, in Republican circles, a political death sentence. Democrats are, you know, allowed to say I was wrong, <laughs> and do from time to time. But Republicans, oh no, you can never do it. You have to be right all the time, which, in my mind, reflects just a deep fundamental insecurity among both the politicians and the voters who vote for them. We want certainty. We want somebody who's always right. And so, you know, Trump will lie like a dozen times a day when he was president and to this day. And it's like, oh, no, we have to believe everything he says because, you know, he's the great God, Donald Trump. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Anyhow, Robin in Boulder, Colorado. Hey, Robin, what's on your mind today? Oh, I've just been um, listening to, you know, the last couple of days or maybe weeks about ivermectin. Um, oh, you have an ivermectin uh, story? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I had horses for many years, mm. and um, ivermectin is the go-to worm paste that um, all good, knowledgeable horse owners uh, administer to their horses every three to four months um, because they're just domesticity in horses creates an awful lot of worms in their systems. <laughs> and right on the label, 
Tom, I mean, every single person at the barn knew this label very well, where we kept horses. And it says right on the label, not intended for use in food animals, meaning that if you're going to give that to um, a horse or a cow that is destined for slaughter, which is a whole other thing I don't even want to discuss, um, you can't. They, they can't slaughter animals um, that have had this administered to them. There's a certain amount of time before it's out of the animal system because those animals are going to be consumed by humans. I mean, you would think that with a warning label like that, people would just say, oh, you know, I mean, if it's not good for food animals and I ingest this secondhand, this is not going to be good for me. How can it possibly be good by taking it firsthand? I mean, I'm just amazed over this. Yeah. It's shocking to me. And and, and, and th- how did this get started? How did this get started? I mean, all of a sudden I'm hearing about ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. I'm going, where is this coming from? Well, it's been it's been kind of bubbling out of the surface for four or five months now. Um, you know, we've uh, tried to avoid discussing it on this program because I just didn't want to promote it. Um, but now, you know, the cat's out of the bag. I mean, it's all over. It's on the national media and everything. Um, and uh, in answer to your question though, Robin, and I think it's like, that's a really important question is where did all this get started? What we have is a political party, the Republican party, that is, that has absolutely internalized the message that Ronald Reagan promoted, that uh, Fred Koch was promoting back in the day through the John Birch Society. Um, that uh, uh, Joe McCarthy was promoting, that you can't trust the American government. And the reason why these billionaires have, and, and their toadies have been promoting this idea since the 1950s, and this started in a big way in 1955, and, and that date is not a coincidence. Um, that, that was when the John Birch Society really went on a tear and started this campaign to impeach Earl Warren and, and destroy the credibility of the U.S. Supreme Court. And that was because in 1954, the Supreme Court ruled in the Brown versus Board of Education case that it is no longer legal to have schools that are segregated by race, public schools. And mm-hmm. at that point, the white supremacists and the billionaires, and Fred Koch was at the front of that line with you know, his in- involvement with the, the John Birch Society, started this this idea that you can't trust the government. You can't trust the government. You can, we shouldn't be giving the government all this money. You need to cut the taxes on the really rich people. Uh, government shouldn't be passing out welfare uh, to uh, you know unworthy moochers um, because that always ends up poorly. That ends up bad. We should just trust you know billionaires and charities for all our needs, whether it's health care or housing or whatever it may be. Leave it to private industry. Leave it to the billionaires. And then uh, this became official doctrine in the Republican Party. It was considered fringe back in the 50s. In fact, in 1955, uh, or 1956, I believe it was, um, Dwight Eisenhower, who was then president, wrote a letter to his brother Edgar, who was a hardcore right-winger, saying, should any political party ever try to get rid of Social Security and labor unions and, and, ba- you know, and basically trash government, we will never hear from that party again. He said there's a few uh, you know, billionaires down in Texas, he was referring to the Hunt brothers at the time, uh, who think this is possible, but their numbers are small and they are stupid. Now, and they, uh, that little bit of a verbatim quote from President Eisenhower. But when Reagan was inaugurated in 1980, with the help of all this money from these billionaires that was unlocked by the Supreme Court in 1976 and 78 with the Buckley and, and, uh, and Bellotti decisions, the ones that presaged Citizens United, they set the floor for Citizens United, Reagan was elected with all this big, big money behind him. And in his inaugural address on January 20th, 1981, his first speech to the nation as president, he said, government is not the solution to your problems. Government, in fact, is the problem. And began this whole ideology that if it comes out of the government, you can't trust it. You can only trust stuff that comes from the billionaires or from, uh, or, or somebody, right? And, and then, you know, during the Trump era, Trump found this very useful. Don't trust the government, even though he was running the government. I mean, it's ironic that Reagan was running the government, too. Um, governments that don't like democracy, uh, the autocrats and oligarchs of countries like you know, Hungary or Russia or Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates or North Korea, 
um, or, or Iran, countries that we know are play and uh, 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 the UAE that we know are playing in the internet space here in the United States, pretending to be Americans, they uh, are very enthusiastic about causing Americans not to trust their government because they want to see democracy fail. Democracy is a mortal threat to these these billionaire oligarchs who have their own internal democracy movements. And if they can say, if the Saudis can say, or the Emiratis can say, or, you know, fill in the blanks, right, uh, can say, oh, look at American democracy doesn't work. We shouldn't be trying to imitate them. We should be putting our, our, our protesters who, who hold up America as a, as a value for the world, uh, we should be putting them in prison. And, you know, the more they can, they can cause Americans not to trust our government, the more they succeed. That's what's going on, Robin. This is not an accident. You know what? You know what, Tom? I can remember a time, I'm old enough to remember a time when Americans wanted to be well governed. That all changed, I guess, when Reagan got in office. In, in, 19, in the 1970s, the Pew Organization found that between 70 and 80 percent of Americans trusted the government to do the right thing. And this was, you know, post-Watergate, post-Vietnam. Um, we still trusted the government to do the right thing. In the 60s, it was even higher than that. Um, but now it's under 20%. And it's because of this relentless effort that has been funded by right-wing billionaires, oil companies. You know, oh, don't trust the government about global warming. We'll tell you the truth. Um, you know, on you know, point after point. Uh, you know, don't trust the government to that. You know that, that we should ban this pesticide. It's just fine. You know, and it just goes on and on. Robin, thank you for the call. I, I'm sorry we're out of time. I got to run, but thank you for a very thoughtful call and your ivermectin story. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. This is no friggin' accident. Any more than Donald Trump's efforts to sabotage Joe Biden, which I'll get into in the next hour, were any accident. And welcome back. Anna Marie in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Anna Marie, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I'm a doctor in, in Bellevue area. I just spent part of yesterday starting dialysis on unvaccinated patients with COVID. Unfortunately, most of them will survive. I wanted to answer your question is how do we make people trust in science mm-hmm. and in government? You just covered that. And one of the biggest ways is to have single payer. Uh, not not because I've heard of arguments, it's because people are getting sick. It's to cover everyone with no requirements, no means testing. If the government is responsible for paying for your babies delivered in your family, the care of your mother and father, care of everything, then you will trust in government. Let me tell you a story. I saw a guy a week ago. He's on dialysis. He was working and had a snowboarding injury and developed kidney failure. But even though he's getting, he can't work and he's on Medicaid, but even he's on government assistance for his dialysis he is what you called an unworthy moocher he thinks he's an unworthy moocher but if everybody got single pair and care from the very beginning there wouldn't be any unworthy moochers it would be for everybody so that's why we need single pair is for trust in government that was brilliant anna marie and I do recall, it's been a couple of years, but uh, uh, there were some studies done found that people generally trust their health insurance companies, <laughs> you know, which I think is making your point. If the entity is paying for all your medical expenses and you get well, you tend to trust them. Yeah, but the problem is it has to be everyone. As I said, this yeah. gentleman who's on dialysis because of a snowboarding injury, he trusts the deep state cabal, but he does not trust... Uh, the government, even though they're providing and paying for his dialysis, because he sees himself as unworthy, even though he's mm. sick, yeah. he needs care, but he yeah. thinks he's mooching off the government, because yeah. that's what he was taught when he worked and ran his own business. So it has to be everyone. We have to include everyone. Yeah, I agree that healthcare should be a right. I think housing should be a right as well as it, as it is in most most other developed and education, higher education, as it is in most other developed countries. As a physician in Washington state, are you finding that among your patients that there is any sort of, you know, are people talking about this, about single payer health care, about Medicare for all, or 
I mean, I talked to my doctor about it, and he's outspokenly in favor of it. But, uh, you know, is this or is that discussion not even happening really in a in a big way on the ground, as it were? The discussion has changed. Before the pandemic, I'd say 80 percent of my patients supported single payer, even those on Medicare, even those on private insurance. But um, Susan Delbeni, who's a wonderful congresswoman for the area I work in, told me personally that her constituents are not ready for it. I disagree. Now the conversation has changed to huge amounts of frustration with those who are unvaccinated. And I hope we don't. The whole move seems to punish these people, make them pay more have them pay more, which will only push them further away, right. cover everyone. Um, so that's what the conversation is about now. And it's so frustrating. I'm seeing people, 18-year-olds, 20s, 30s, 40s in the hospital. We're, we're just being overwhelmed. Um, it's, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Amazing. Anna Marie, thank you. Thank you for the call uh, and, the, and the reality uh, check. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening to KBCS. I'm Arvin here with you, Terry in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Terry, what's up? I just wanted to, to comment and, and ask. Uh, so we see Ron DeSantis withholding money from school districts who are just trying to keep students and staff safe. Then we find out he's invested in Regeneron. So it's like, go ahead and get sick, then use this expensive treatment, you know, which will, you know, line his pockets. Do you think there's more to explain this blatant attack on which, you know, we assume that it should be the universal desire that everybody wants the health and well-being of, our, of humans and our citizens? And is there, you know, do you think there's other connections to agendas, including money, that would explain these just completely baffling actions that he's taking and not just him, but other Republicans? I, I doubt it's money, frankly, Terry. I think that, uh, uh, number one, he, uh, DeSantis himself is not in, invested in Regeneron. Uh, the hedge fund or fund or whatever it's called that is uh, run by or owned by one of his largest donors is a major investor or an investor, shall we say, in Regeneron. I don't know if it's uh, you know one of the biggest. Um, so it's kind of two steps removed. And, and I, you know, I wrote an op-ed about this in which I said, you know, if DeSantis really wanted to make money for his investor friends, you know, Ken Buck is this guy's name, um, then all he has to do is accept Medicaid expansion and let Ken Buck invest in a hospital chain. You know, more people in Florida would suddenly have health care and they'd be showing up at the doctor. Um, so I don't, I don't think that it's the money. I think that what has happened is that the Republican Party has so internalized this message that you can't trust government. Um, that has been being sold to us since the 1970s by right-wing billionaires and their foundations, um, that the, the, the GOP base has so internalized that message that DeSantis, and then of course Donald Trump, declared war on Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci is the face of uh, you know, the Biden administration's efforts to stop COVID. And so DeSantis has to go after Fauci. Thus, you know, he's selling, you know, campaign literature, campaign uh, uh, goodies, you know, little signs and things to say, don't Fauci my Florida and stuff like that. I think it's this tribalism. I think it's just this, this, this uh, you know, he, he just can't go back. And the, it, what's going to be real interesting is to see, and we're probably not going to know until next November, but to see whether this bet, this very high stakes bet that DeSantis and Abbott in particular have made, as well as a couple of other Republican governors, this bet that if they intentionally allow hundreds of children and thousands of adults to die unnecessarily in their states, that they will be rewarded by the Republican base for that. And then the other part of this, how this is gonna play out, if let's say DeSantis gets you know rewarded by the Republican base in that he wins the primary for the 2022 run for governor of Florida, will he be able to win the general election? Or for that matter, if he does and he wins the presidential primary in 2024 on the GOP side, again, because the base it doesn't care who dies, will he be able to take on, you know, uh, presumably Kamala Harris or Joe Biden? And uh, I think those are all very open questions right now. 
but it's just insane. Yeah, what, it really what a high sacrifice. It, for the, you know, for that kind of an agenda. It really is, it really is. It's, it's not, I mean, almost literally insane, like psychopathic, like letting people die. Terry, thank you yes. for the call. Patricia in Burlington, Kentucky. Hey, Patricia, what's up? Nothing, thanks for answering my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to add something to what the lady had said in the prior call, not right before me, but before that. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while, and one of my thoughts is, is that, um, while I have no empathy or sympathy for these people who just keep spouting off lies, I just wonder if some of the hesitancy of the vaccine and, and all of that stuff isn't partially because as a whole, we've been so screwed by our medical community as far as big pharma and, you know, the doctors getting in bed with big pharma. And, you know, I've had several instances myself where I'm like, okay, now what is this? Is this because they want money or is this, you know, because they yeah. really need me to do this for my health? And I just think that there's something more to that than we're maybe given given a credit for, because I'm like you. I'm the first person to say, oh, no, they're just in the, the Trumpster cult, you know. But that's what I wanted to say. It's an interesting uh, and theory, and I, I think there's probably something to it, Patricia, because the average American, you know, the average American family is spending $3,000 a year more for health care than any other country on earth, any other developed right. country on earth. And so we're getting screwed and we know it. And, and exactly. we also pay twice as much for drugs. And now we've got the big pharma companies advertising on TV that allowing Medicare to negotiate drugs is going to take away your drugs if you're on Medicare, which is a complete lie. Yeah, um, and yeah I saw that. Yeah, so, so it makes sense that people are starting to go, well, who do I trust? But, and, and, and so who do you turn to? Well, you should turn to the experts that are employed by government. But we've got right. 50 years now of right-wing billionaires telling us, don't trust government. They just want to raise taxes on billionaires. And they just want to regulate big fossil fuel companies so that they you know, can't spout poisons. And that we don't want that. That's not a good thing. Right. And, and so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a mixed, mixed, oh, mixed it's a, message yeah, there. The, the perfect phrase, yes. It is a very mixed message. Patricia, thank you. I think you may be onto something. I, you know, it's, it's kind of all of this stuff, in my opinion. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. with us is our old friend Lori Wallach, the executive director of Public Citizens Global Trade Watch. Tradewatch.org is the website and uh, well worth book noting and, and signing up for their updates. Uh, Lori's uh, personal Twitter handle is Wallach Lori, W-A-L-L-A-C-H-L-O-R-I. And uh, the one for uh, Trade Watch is P-C-G-T-W, as in Public Citizen Global Trade Watch, P-C-G-T-W uh, uh, on Twitter. Um, at tradewatch.org on the, on the internet. Laurie, welcome back. Um, we have talked, you and I, on, on numerous occasions about the so-called TRIPS waivers. And I, I think it's an important time to revisit that and find out where we're at with that. We, in the first hour of the program today, we were talking with Dr. Eric Feigelding, who's an epidemiologist, former faculty member of Harvard Medical School. And um, he was talking about how you know, important it is that we get essentially the world vaccinated uh, the principal barrier to this seems to be patent law. Tell us about it. So the TRIPS 
waiver stands for the Agreement on Trade-Related Intellectual Property. It's one part of the WTO where Big Pharma got rules into a so-called free trade agreement obliging 160 countries to guarantee Big Pharma monopoly control for 20 years over not just patents, but also copyrights and industrial designs, exclusive data, all of which adds up, Tom, to meaning that right now Big Pharma and the handful of makers of effective vaccines have total control over whether more or enough are made, where they're made, what price, what sale, in the face of the worst global health crisis in 100 years, basically these rules mean a handful of price gouging pharmaceutical corporations are making it such that there simply are not enough vaccines being made to end the pandemic. Right, and and we, we heard from Dr. Feigelding this morning that you know, there, there's now a new variant beyond Delta uh, that apparently is popping up out of, in South Africa, the, the most mutated so far. We really need to vaccinate the world to get this done. Um, who is blocking, and, and, and my understanding from our previous conversations, Laurie Wallach, is that the majority of the countries in the world want to uh, produce this, this so-called TRIPS waiver. They want to they want to sign off on this thing that will guarantee these pharmaceutical companies that they will make money when the drugs that they have developed are being manufactured in, in third world countries and distributed you know, more broadly. Uh, they just won't make as much money. But where is the roadblock? Where is the barrier? Well, first, let me just say something very concrete so folks can wrap their heads around what we're talking about. Getting the entire world vaccinated, as your previous guest said, as you're saying, is the way for us to stop the pandemic. There is no plan now to stop the pandemic. And perversely, it's probably in big pharma's interest to have wave after wave of variant for which they'll have to create booster after booster. If we want to get our lives back, the whole world needs to get vaccinated. And that's going to take 14 to 15 billion doses. The current companies promised they would have 12 billion this year. Here we are in the ninth month. And they don't have $5 billion out the door, so they're not going to cut it. They haven't been cutting it. They can't make enough. And under these monopoly controls, as you've just said, other companies that are willing to pay the creators of the vaccine are just simply forbidden from making more doses, even if they pay the originators. So this is a death spiral scenario. And the great news is in May... President Biden reversed President Trump's opposition to this waiver. The waiver basically like unlocks the door and gets us on the path to making more vaccines. The gate is slammed. The intellectual property is monopolized, is constrained. So there are now about 140 countries that want to do this. And at this point, it's literally Germany getting the entire European Union to block the will of 140 other countries. But also... The Biden administration hasn't really stepped up to lead in the four months since they announced that they were supporting. So the Biden administration needs to lead. The Germans need to get the heck out of the way and we can get this done and more vaccines made. What what are the uh, Laurie? Uh, we're talking with Laurie Wallach, the uh, executive director of Public Citizens Global Trade Watch, tradewatch.org. Where are the pressure points that the average person, you know, folks listening to this program can can push. Uh, is it a matter of contacting our members of Congress at, at 202-224-3121, you know, calling your, your member of the House or your senator? Is it a matter of contacting the White House, uh, you know, at whitehouse.gov, I think it is. There's a form you can fill out. Is it is it a matter of calling your state representatives? Uh, you know, where, how can we most affect, and obviously go to tradewatch.org, you know, if, I, I, you may not want to say it, but I will, um, you know, go to tradewatch.org and, and, and uh, learn what you can and sign up to help in any way you can. But, but where, where, how can we bring maximum pressure to make this happen? We need to vaccinate the world, Lori, as you know. Yep, absolutely. And here's the good news, Tom. This is totally doable. This is a political problem, not a technical problem. Thank goodness we've got the ability to beat this pandemic. Now we have to create the political will. So where it needs to happen is with the White House. And there are two concrete things folks can do. 
I always suggest folks should call their members of the House of Representatives and their two senators. And again, the number you gave is the Capitol switchboard. Folks, all you need to do is give your zip code and they'll connect you to your House member. Then ask that House member's office to send you back to the switchboard. One call and you can get connected right away to all three, both senators and your House member. And tell them you want a letter or an email sent back to confirm what your senators and your House member are doing to get the Biden administration to step up on global vaccines with, one, the waiving of the WTO intellectual property barriers, two, funding and pushing our allies to join us in funding more factories around the world to use that access to the intellectual property and make more shots. It's a one-two punch. Now, the second thing to do, though, which we've made super easy, is there's actually a person in the Biden administration who's supposed to be doing this. And this is a guy named Jeff Zients. He is the global COVID czar. And we need to all tell him if he doesn't get these pharma monopolies suspended now, this TRIPS waiver, the pandemic will never end. It's his job to make the damn plan. So if you go to tradewatch.org and you can sign up for action, you can sign up a petition that now already has tens of thousands of people on it, organizations, health organizations, human rights organizations, labor organizations, basically telling the COVID czar, Jeff Zients, you're representing the president, get your buns in gear. How, how do you spell his last name? This is a guy who I didn't even know existed. Z-I-E-N-T-S. Jeffrey Zients. Uh-huh. And, and he works out of the White House. And how do you, how do we speak to him? So he's a very secretive guy. He's been dodging Congress, but we've been, in, we've been able to figure out a way to get petitions basically flooding into him. So if you go to tradewatch.org and you land on that first page, you see sign up for action. And you can sign up right there on this petition to Zions, of which tens of thousands of people are signing, because Very lots cool. of major organizations are doing it. And we're just going to flood that guy and have Congress also pressuring him so that, you know, he does his job and gets this plan in place. And then he's the one who leans on Biden to say, OK, it's time, boss, pull the, pull the switch or whatever. Well, and with the U.N. Global Assembly coming up, Another thing is, folks, if you're listening in New York City, there's going to be a big rally protest on the 20th right at the U.N. to push Biden and the other global leaders to make the choice to end the pandemic. September this is a 20. leadership thing, and your voice can help. Got it. Lori Wallach, TradeWatch.org. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Lori is so good. TradeWatch, they do such great work. It is such a great website. And Ralph Nader created this thing. And uh, welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you, uh, Alejandro in Miami. Hey, Alejandro, what's on your mind today? Yes, I wanted to make a point about the ivermectin thing. It just seems to be another stupid drug trend among these anti-vaxxer idiots. And I'm just curious, what is the origin of these ivermectin drug nonsense? Like, who's pushing this? Are doctors behind this somehow? And if they are, why isn't anyone filing com- complaints against their medical boards for this? This is irresponsible, just like those stupid frontline doctors, that they should not have any more, they should not have medical licenses. We need to go after those quack doctors and, and other so-called doctors who push this nonsense because they need to suffer the consequences of their misinformation. So I just, you know, want to, I guess, throw that at you and see what your thoughts were on that. <laughs> I think you've asked the $64,000 question, Alejandro. What little I know about this is that there was a, a so-called study submitted for publication by a group in Egypt and submitted for publication to a scientific journal. And in some cases, you publish these in what are called preprint journals, which is where they have not been peer-reviewed. And it's just like an early look at you know, promising research. Within days of this being published in this obscure little kind of corner of the Internet, it was debunked. They discovered, number one, that the large chunks of the language in it had been plagiarized from other studies, the scientific sounding pieces, bits and pieces of it, number one. Number two, they could find no record of the actual you know, drug being administered to people and people being measured for safety and efficacy. In other words, it, it, there, there was no study. And number three, they just, you know, the, the, the numbers and therefore the conclusions were just made up. And the study was withdrawn. 
Um, it was, you know, it, it didn't even get as far as peer review. Um, the people behind it were discredited. The, now, the question that you're raising, which I don't know the answer to, is who were those people behind it? What was their motivation? Were they just, you know, was it just some teenagers trying to see if they could get something out there? Was it uh, some foreign government that's trying to mess with us or the world? I mean, what, what possible benefit? Or, you know, was it some company that makes ivermectin? I think that's the least probable because it's not a drug that is under patent any longer. So it's generic and it's, you know, ubiquitous. It's all over the world. Um, you know, or is it possible that it was even, you know, somebody who just didn't know how to do a study well who had the best of intentions? We don't, or at least I don't know the answer to those questions. And if any of you listening know the answer to those questions, uh, you know, let me know. And, and there, you know, you can reach me, probably Twitter is the easiest way to reach me. Um, so number one. But then number two, once that study, even after it was withdrawn, you know, the study that I was mentioning earlier where I've, you know, I'm hearing from people, oh, over at the National Institutes of Health, there's a, a study about ivermectin. And it's not, it's a study of studies, right? And that study of studies includes a study of the original study that was debunked. And so therefore, hey, it shows that maybe this stuff works. Well, it, that's because you're basing your statistics on a lie. And you know, on a study that is a lie. And it's, it's just like, it's taken on a life of its own. And it's taken on a life of its own among these people who are these tribal true believers of, of uh, Donald Trump, who oddly enough is not taking ivermectin. He took the vaccine, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, but he did it in secret. You know, it took two months for us to find out that Trump and his, and his wife and, and son had all been vaccinated. So, yeah. uh, but I think, I think you've asked the big question and uh, I, I hope that we eventually uh, find out the answer. Alejandro, thank you for the call. Kirk in, in Lakeland, uh, Florida. Hey, Kirk, Kirk, thanks for listening to the WMNF. What's on your mind? Thank you, Tom. Thank you for your program. I, you know, to be concise, uh, I'm a medical device distributor. Last year, uh, when COVID uh, really started taking hold, we got a lot of requests for uh, devices, masks, tests, things like that. My point of the story is, is that <clears throat> uh, two weeks ago, I had a customer looking for a number of masks. So we went searching, uh, with my friend and I, and we were presented with these masks from Hanes. And I said, The Hanes, underwear company? Yes. And so if people don't know this, I, I, I said, that's really strange. So there's a story behind it. I found out that Jared Kushner got in behind Hanes, had them produce masks for every man, woman, and child in the U.S., and they were supposed to be sent out. Now, oh, yeah, the Postal the Service is going to distribute them. That was in March of last year, and then they canceled that in April after the April 7th headline that black people were dying out of proportion to white people. That's when everything changed. Well, it turns out that it, it also sounds like that they produced a mask and it, it didn't, by all appearances, look like a jock strap on your face, and that's what the comments were. <laughs> the, but the, oh, but the, okay. the, the, the more disturbing part about this, Tom, is, is really this. These masks are being sold on the market for pennies on the dollar because they never got used. Now, my question is... So they got dumped into some it, sort of surplus market. Yeah, but is the taxpayer on the hook for those Hanes masks? Because if they are, then they're being resold again. And who's? And I don't understand that because it yeah. seems like the taxpayer owns it. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, you I recalled and, and reported on and have written about um, the the... You know, when Kushner was taking this seriously in February and March of last year, he had uh, cut this deal. I didn't know it was Haynes, but he had cut a deal to have masks. In fact, I thought he was going to import them from China. But anyway, he, he had he had these masks and they were going to mail them. And the U.S. Postal Service, Louis DeJoy was in on this. The U.S. Postal Service was going to distribute five masks to every family in America. That was the deal, if I'm remembering correctly. What I didn't know is that they had actually been made, which means that they were almost certainly paid for. So I'm guessing yeah. that they just got dumped into a surplus market. Um, but there's a story for some re intrepid reporter to, to run down. That's a fascinating one. There's, in my other uh, last point was that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, spoke, I was speaking with one of my friends yesterday and we were just talking, because I live in Florida and we were talking about um, the treatment uh, uh, I can't remember the monoclonal antibody treatment that the governor is uh, professing 
to use. And and when we were talking about that, it basically says, you know, no prescription needed. Come in. You can get it any time. And you and I have said, you know, the, it, the taxpayer is likely on the hook for this um, bill. But then the other side of that, too, is that, you know, I don't know if people know anything about um, uh, stem cell science or anything like that. But, you know, I know there was a real big pushback uh, against stem cell science years ago by the evangelicals. And uh, there's a clear, uh, Regeneron has a clear statement about their use of, um, uh, you know, stem cells in, the treat- in their treatment. And so I do think it's a bit of irony, too, where... Oh, that's interesting. Evangelical... So they're hysterical because one of the vaccines was, uh, you know, tested for um, uh, whether it was dangerous to human cells on uh, on a cell line, on an aborted cell line at one point or very early in the development process. Uh, But they don't but they're fine with Regeneron. You know, uh, I mean, they're shoveling it out the door down there in Florida that was similarly tested. Yeah, the procurement of stem cells is an interesting thing. You can you can watch it because I had a, another company that sold it as well, and 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 essentially they're using uh, third-party uh, consenting mothers. Uh, what you may call it? They're using the placenta. Uh, oh, and placenta so what they tissue. do is they, oh, har- okay. they harvest cells from the placental tissue. But it, you should watch it. The mechanical. It's basically just cutting the thing up. <laughs> Yeah. And and making it into small enough particles, desiccating it, and then making it into another formulation. But it's an interesting thing again, where you know we were totally against stem cell science, but now it's saving lives. And and listen, I am not against that. Yeah. I think that Regeneron is fine. I just think that it's just weird when people don't. Yeah, we're very selective people. in our outrage here. Kirk, thank you. Fascinating stuff. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.